Hey, I'm telling you, um, we're just glad you guys are here. And if we haven't met, my name is Chris. My wife, Lisa, we're honored to be the campus pastors here. And we're just thrilled to be here with you. Love to meet you in the lobby after service. And I pray everyone had a great week. Did you have a pretty good week this past week? Y'all good? You feel good? All right, summertime is here. It's definitely in the season. Come on, sunshine. It's good to have some sunshine in the room. And I want to just say real quick, I pray that all the dads last Sunday really felt the love. Because we dads only get one day. <laughs> Ladies, you get the rest of the year. <laughs> and I'm telling you, uh, I pray that you felt the love. Yeah, I, mean, I was telling the Lord, like, come on, God, I'm preaching on Father's Day, three service, I'm exhausted. I got home and I had a rocking chair outside on my deck for me. My Father's Day gift went out there, just soaked in the cup. They brought me coffee into my hand. They, they gave me the remote control. So, I mean, I'm just soaking up. I hope you guys were able to soak it up and had a great day. But, but here's the deal. Guys, I tried to make it carry over for Father's Day 2.0 the next day. It didn't work. So I, I, I tried desperately. I came down like, my coffee? And Lisa's like, no, but the trash can's overflowing. So honestly, seriously, I, I pray that you dads, come on, let's give it up for the dads one more time. We love you dads. Y'all are awesome. And speaking for, real quick, speaking for all the men in the room, guys, mark your calendar. We got something special coming up for all the men at All of Victory. Just mark it, your mental cal calendar or on your phone. Our men's conference, which by the way, this is no longer going to be a night. This is going to be Friday night and Saturday. It's going to be amazing. We're bringing in special guest speakers to minister to us. We're going to have breakout workshops where we're by campus and having some awesome time together and then some full corporate services to get. It's going to be awesome. Of course, the food's always great. So mark your counter for that. That will be a life-changing weekend that will set us ablaze as men keep moving forward in God. Amen? Which, by the way, that's the will of God that we all move forward in Him. Amen? So we're in the message series, When You Pray. Somebody say pray. And today we're going to be continuing our deep dive into the Lord's Prayer. And if you're just joining us, as we recognize some of our first-time guests earlier, if you're just joining us, we started a, a journey back in the beginning of February that's going to carry us through most of this year uh, of the Sermon on the Mount, a study of the Sermon on the Mount. Come on, verse by verse, line by line, all in red. Jesus preached it on the hill uh, right there the, next to the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and it was documented by Matthew. Can you imagine Matthew writing that down as fast as he could? Just, okay, what did he say, John? I missed that part. He said, blessed are. You know, but, but the fact of the matter is this was documented by one of the disciples, Matthew, and Jesus is teaching this beautiful sermon uh, to this huge crowd there on the hill. Uh, interesting note real quick. Uh, one of our VHM people this week, they were telling me at, for coffee earlier this week, uh, this coming week they're going to be in Israel right there on that hill. And the speaker, uh, whoever's leading the trip, is going to read the whole sermon. And it's literally like they're going to be where Jesus was at. And so what Jesus was saying then and what he's saying now is the same. And Jesus is telling us how to live this Christian life. Or really, after today's message, we're going to call it kingdom living. Come on, say that with me. Kingdom living. Because each week, listen to me, brick by brick, we have been building our lives on the truth, 
The truth of God's word, which, by the way, does two things. It exposes the lies of the enemy that we've been believing, and it reveals the truth of God's word, and it re-strengthens our spiritual legs so that when the storms come, and come on, baby, they're coming. We've been hit by them, and, and bigger and darker storms are coming. When the storms come, we will stand strong. Amen? I want to I just kind of look real quick at, at the end of Matthew 7. You don't need to turn there. We're going to be in 6. But this is the end of his message. And we'll probably say this once a month just to remind us. We need to be reminded that if we follow Jesus' teaching, we will be standing strong. Not only in the end, but through every storm. Let's look right here. It says, Jesus says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, so not just a hearer, but a doer, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house, come on, say it with me, on the, on the rock, of course, who is Jesus. And the rains descended, the floods came, some of you are already starting to hum it, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded, come on, say it with me again, on the, on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, they will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And New King James puts it this way, and great was its fall. So here's my question before we pray and and dive in more into the Lord's Prayer today. What are you and I building our life on? What are you building your life on? Is it the rock? Or is it the sand, the things that will just blow away? I I have a picture right here. I'm a beach guy. And uh, this is pretty crazy, intense, detailed sandcastle. And uh, I, I built this personally. No, I didn't. Uh, but uh, I just Googled like uh, a really cool sandcastle images. And uh, I mean, it's intricate. It's detailed. I guarantee you it took some serious time. Uh, the dragon's a little crazy. Uh, everything about this thing is just, I mean, down to the stairs and all of it, the gated door. But here's the deal. If we build our lives with all the stuff that the world and we're not building on, if the foundation is not Jesus, I guarantee you when the first rain came, this stuff started to crumble. When the winds came, it began to kind of blow away. If a storm came, this thing would be gone. You just see a hill of sand. And so the question for us, the challenge for me and for all of us that are hearing this and and diving into this word today is what are we building our lives on? May it be Jesus. Amen? Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we welcome you now to come a little closer. We thank you, Father. We silence the noise in our minds, the distractions of life, and we open our hearts to receive from you. Holy Spirit, help me speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Turn over to Matthew chapter 6. Right in the middle of this beautiful sermon, which is chapter 6. Of course, it wasn't a chapter. It's the middle of his message, documented like a chapter. Jesus gives us one of the most beautiful gifts he could ever give us. He teaches us how to pray. Somebody say how. 
There is a way, listen to me, there's a way to pray. And, he, and we looked at this last week. If you missed the message, please go back. Each message will be line by line as we dissect the Lord's Prayer. There's a way to start your prayers, and it's not with a list. Though God wants to hear your list, and we all got a list. But first off, we start our prayer by acknowledging who we're talking to. He's our Father, amen? He's our Papa. He's our Heavenly Dad. He's the perfect Dad. And because of Jesus, when we give our heart to the Lord, because of Jesus, we are His children. So when we say Father, we're saying, I'm your child. We're your children. Now listen, every child, every child needs four things. They need acceptance. They need focused attention. They need guidance, and they need protection. Those are the four basic things that our children need. And can I tell you, the four, those four needs and more can all be found in our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father has everything that you and I need. Amen? Whatever you need, go to your dad, your Heavenly Dad. Go to your Father, and He has it for you. Our Father in heaven, it says, Jesus started this prayer acknowledging his dad. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The way we start prayer is both personal and intimate father, and it's also immediately followed with thanksgiving and adoration and exaltation and praise. Like so when you know who you're talking to, what just comes out of you literally is like, I love you. I bless you. I praise you. Look right here, this one verse. We, we looked at the whole chapter last week, a very short chapter, but one verse here from that chapter, Psalms 104 says this, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts, come on, save me, with, with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Man, that's awesome. And so here's when I, when I, when I look at that verse and that's, that's a verse that you, you've heard. If you grew up in church, you've heard that verse a lot. But what I want to point out is he said gates and courts. He highlights gates and courts, which says something of a castle or a kingdom or that my mind goes there. There's some form of a kingdom going on here. And then Jesus, to specify, he goes on with his prayer and he says this right here on the screen. And, and in verse 10, if you have your Bible there, your kingdom come. Who's your? He's talking to his father. Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So let's look at this for a second. Just an interesting note. Jesus loved to talk about two things a lot. He talked about a whole bunch of things, but you will find these rhythms coming back of two major things. He talked about his father a lot, and he talked about the kingdom a lot. He talked about his father and the kingdom. Actually, in the Gospels, Jesus talked about the kingdom 126 times. I think he was trying to get a point made about that our father, God the father, is not just a father. He's the king. He's the father. Listen to me. If there is a kingdom, there's got to be a king. And so Jesus is pointing to the father saying, you can be personal and intimate, but you need to know he's also a king. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. You just read the gospels. It will just, it, you'll find it very quickly. Jesus would say things like the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which is very small, but then it grows, of course we know, into a beautiful tree. The kingdom of God is like a treasure in a field. 
The kingdom of heaven is like a king who throws a party. And then he even says something like, that can be a little like perplexing. He says, the kingdom of God belongs to the little children. Not calling us kids, but he's saying, I want you to have a childlike heart and posture because everything with God is big. And we need to have that big faith. It's just a question, just a thought here. This is coming to me now. I wish I'd have thought of it in the 9 a.m. I wonder is, why is it, church, that the older we get, the smaller our faith becomes? Just popped in my brain. Why is that? Like, why don't we believe like we used to when we first became a Christian? Or if you grew up in the church like I did, the, the, the bigness of God. Come on, anybody remember you, you, your parents take you on a trek and they, you saw the first house you were in? And when you were there when a kid, it was like you lived in a mansion. But then you go back and visit like it's a two-story, I mean, it's a two-bedroom house, you know? But I'm going to tell you, as we grow in God, so should our faith grow in God. And he's a big God, and he wants to do big things in the earth, listen to me, through you and through me. Our God is not only a father, he's a king. So when Jesus teaches about the kingdom, he, of course, is pointing to his father, who is called the king of glory. He's the, another, another name for the, for the father is the ancient king. He is the first and the greatest king. He is the king of all kings. He's the ancient of days. He was always there. I know it messes with our brain. He was always there. He will always be there. He's the king of glory. Uh, just one verse of millions. Uh, Psalms 103, 19. Look right here. He says this, The Lord has made the heavens his throne From there, he rules over, come on, say it with me, everything. He rules over everything. Another translation would say that his kingdom rules the entire universe. Our God is the king of the universe. He's the king. Somebody say king. So when we we see the words kingdom, and I'm going to try to simplify this so we can get this in our hearts, not just hear information and knowledge. So when we see the word kingdom in the Bible, specifically coming from Jesus, Jesus is speaking of God's kingly rule. His kingly rule in heaven and his kingly rule in the earth through us. His rule, his reign, his lordship, his authority. That kingdom, when you hear that kingdom of heaven, wherever God is, he's ruling and reigning. It's God's kingship happening in the earth and in heaven. So when Jesus teaches us, 11 a.m., when Jesus teaches us to pray and he says, your kingdom come, he's telling us this. He's saying, pray that God's everything that's in heaven would come to the earth. That God's graciousness, his love, his powerful rule and reign, his healing power, all that we see and know that about in heaven, God, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? And he wants to do that. The king of glory, he definitely rules in heaven, and he wants to rule and reign in the earth, but guess what? It starts in us. It starts in you, in me. And then it's through us. Always starts in us and then through us. Amen? So before I give you just three things that we can pray about the kingdom, I want to just stress real quickly two very important truths. If you're taking notes, these won't be on the screen. Just, I want to just set down some foundation because this is very important. Number one truth, very quickly. 
Kingdom authority was given, lost, and regiven. Kingdom authority was given, lost, and regiven. What do I mean? Well, when the king, the creator of the universe, created Adam and Eve, he gave them kingdom authority. And he said, hey, there was a mandate from the king. I want you to rule the earth and reproduce more image bearers. We were made in his image. He said, reproduce more image bearers. Go and rule and reign in the earth. Let let my kingship come through you. Rule and reign in the earth. And they're going until that stupid serpent came along. And, of course, all he was doing was progging what was already in their hearts. They started to play God themselves. And so they disobeyed the Lord. You know the story. You can look it up in Genesis 3. And literally what happens is they literally not only sin against God, but they give away the kingly authority, not back to God. It's given to Satan. Satan takes it. He takes it. It was, it was legally given away. So Satan, by the way, just to get us on the same ground here, Satan is called the prince. Somebody say prince. By the way, let me just point this out to you. We have one king. Satan is never a king. The Bible doesn't refer him as a king. He's a prince. He'll never be king. We have one king. His name is Jesus Christ. Amen? But he's called a prince. He's never up there. He tries to get up there. That's why he got kicked out. I believe he was like, hey, guys, I just want to be God. When the God and God just kicked him out. He's like, nope, there's only one God. There's only one king. And so he's called the prince of the power of the air, air being this invisible realm where he and his demons exist. So God had to do something. And you know this, but again, just getting us on level ground here. So God sent his only son who had to make things right. And so Jesus left heaven. He came to earth. And he righteously regained what man had lost and given away. Our God is really good at that. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, listen to me, this is gospel right here. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, man was restored in right relationship to our Father, and God gave us the keys again. God, Jesus took it from the enemy and gave it to us. How do I know that? Because before Jesus went back to heaven, remember he left heaven, he went back to heaven, Jesus said to his disciples, I've got authority, I'm simplifying. I've got authority, I'm giving to you, go. Go and make disciples. I've been given all authority, therefore go. Somebody say go. And make disciples. I want to give you just a quick verse here. Of just showing you the two, the two kingdoms, all right? right? Right here, look at Colossians 1. Colossians chapter 1. And it says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. We were rescued, amen? Anybody here rescued? Thank, aren't you thankful you were rescued? God rescued us. He pulled me out of the pit. He pulled me out of my old life. He put me on a solid ground, the rock. He dusted me up, cleaned up my soul, and sent me out in the world to be an image bearer for him. And he did that to you. That's our God. And so we have to recognize and understand that we have kingdom authority today because of what Jesus did. The second simple truth I want to point to you, and this is is a big one, guys. Uh, This could be a whole message, but please grab this just in these few minutes as I highlight it. Because the American church struggles with this point. We serve a kingdom, not a democracy. 
We serve a kingdom, not a democracy. Big difference between a kingdom and a democracy. It's like two different worlds. Why? Because in a kingdom, the king's law is absolute. We don't get to change his word because we don't like it. We don't get to change his word uh, because we don't feel it's relevant anymore. You might know what I'm talking about. God's word, and this is the word that came to me as I was studying and praying yesterday. God's holy word is my constitution. It is our constitution of how to live this life. We, as his children, come under him as a child, but also he's in charge He's the boss. He's Lord. He's master. It's one way. It's Jesus' way. If it's my way or Jesus' way, I'm going with Jesus. So it's always got to be Jesus. He is the one way. By the way, in the, revolution, uh, the Jesus revolution that happened in the 70s, that's where they came up with the one way. They would put their finger in the sky and point and say one way because they were trying all these kind of ways in the 70s with drugs. And they were being told there's all kind of ways. And it was one way. One way. His name is Jesus. We don't, we don't get a vote. <clears throat> Excuse me. We don't get a vote. We don't get to amend the Constitution. See, we, we have people in Washington that, dear God, we pray that they are representing us as people. But here's the deal. Washington can't solve the world's problems. We bless them. We pray for our president. We pray for the House. We pray for the Senate. We bless them in Jesus. God, give them wisdom. Dear Lord, give them wisdom. But here's the deal. In the end, I'm not an American first. I'm a Christian first. And I come under his rule and reign. First and foremost. And here's the crazy thing. He could make us robots. He could make us all bow down right now with a snap of his finger. He gives us choice. He's a king that wants us to want to come to him. We're given a choice. And like Joshua, I pray this is your prayer. To choose you this day whom you serve. For as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen? But see, man is getting in the way. We're, we're trying to change things about marriage and this and that. And, all, and God calls it out. He says the way it's supposed to be. He, he is the genius God. He came up with it. We don't need to change it. But man, man gets high and mighty. It's, it reminds me of the conversation that Job and those three guys, who probably were not the greatest of friends, and God's like, okay, I'm going to speak up for a moment. Look right here. One verse he said, and you can almost hear the sarcasm of God. Not that he's sarcastic, but I can hear him in this. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? And then he's like, let me just say one more thing here. Tell me if you know so much. Man don't got a clue. Every time we get involved, we mess it up. God's already laid out the blueprint for us in the word of God. How to live this life. How to have a successful marriage. How to raise your kids. It's all in there, in red and in black and white for us. And it's still relevant to today. I hear that a lot. The Bible's not relevant anymore. Yes, it is. You're not relevant. Because <laughs> when it comes to the Word of God, it's the Word of God that's relevant. Amen? Either you believe it or you don't. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But our problem is when we do what we want to do, when I'm speaking about myself, all of us, when we do what we want to do, whatever we want to do, 
And if, and if God is saying, don't go there, guys, it's outright rebellion against the king. But then we pray, and we still want to see those prayers answered. And God's like, I didn't even author those prayers. And then when we're in trouble, we're like, get me out of this. I promise I won't ever do it again. But we find ourselves doing it again because there's something in us that doesn't want to bow. And I'm not talking about your physical, even though we all should at times. I'm talking about your heart. And we get angry with God because he doesn't answer our prayers our way. And some people even walk away from God. When God's like, wait a minute. Can we talk about this? Our prayers have got to be, Father, hallowed be your name. And then secondly, what comes right after that is because we know who he is and the, the greatness of our Father, that he's the king, your will be done in my life. Your will be done, not mine, your will be done. Your will be done in my life, in my marriage, if you're married, in my family, if you got kids, in our world. Amen? So when I pray, Father, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen to me, church. This is huge we get this. I'm not just talking about out there. Yes, we want it to happen out there. But it's got to start in here. It's, it's got to take place in me. Somebody say me. In, in you, the, the kingdom of God. Let your will be done on earth that is in heaven. Start here, Lord. And then out there. And so we gotta, we, gotta, we gotta drill down on this, the rule and reign of God happening in us, in me. So as we continue to look at this, I wanna just kind of give you three things very quickly. Actually, three areas of the kingdom to establish in prayer. Again, we're looking at the prayer of Jesus, how to do this, three areas of the kingdom to establish in prayer. Number one, to be a kingdom person. To be a kingdom person. Somebody say kingdom. It's the kingdom in me. It's, so let me, let me put it to you like this. Somebody say this. It's not about me. Now I want you to look at your neighbor. I'm almost nervous to say this. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not about you. <laughs> Somebody's like, I've been wanting to say that for a few weeks. It's not about me. But listen, we live in a me-centered society. We live in a society and the message of the world, it's all about you, baby. Do what you want to do. If it makes you feel good, enjoy it. There's only one life. Live it up. Listen, that is dangerous. We, we got to get away from the unholy trinity. We know what the holy trinity is. We got to get away from the unholy trinity. You know what that is? Me, myself, and I. We got to get away from it. It's not about me. We're talking about being a kingdom person. And how do we pray this? To be a kingdom person, we got to come to the revelation that all of us need in the room that Jesus is all about him. It's not about us. Listen, the story was written way long time ago. It's been going on. It will go until he carries us home. It was never, the story was never about us. It was there before we were born. If the Lord tarries, it will be after we die. The story is all God's story, and God the Father's story is pointing to his son, Jesus. It was never about us. We just get to be a part of the story. 
We get to be a part of it. And I know more our flesh don't like that. No, I, I got a story. I, I got a life, Chris. I know we, we, we think that, but our life is not our own. Come on, let's go to the Bible for a second. I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live. And so as I'm submitted, as we're submitted to the Lord, my life, my story should point to Jesus. Amen? And victory, if our story is going to be really significant, we got one life, one, I mean, one big, beautiful story full of ups and downs and all arounds. But if our story is going to be significant, we just got to get out of the way and make sure our knee is constantly bowed to the king of all kings. Because the story is all about Jesus. We've got to be like John the Baptist. He said this about Jesus. He must increase, but I must decrease. He must, it's like, Jesus, I need, I need you to step up. I'm, I'm, I'm messing everything up. Have you noticed that? We're really good at messing up things. Jesus, I, I, I need, see, some of us need to quit driving our life and start following Jesus. He's not called us to be a driver. He's called us to be a follower. Some of us need to scoot on over to the passenger side and let Jesus take the steering wheel. I know I'm not going to sing the song, but <laughs> let Jesus drive. He's a much better driver than us. He sees everything ahead of us. So when I make the story about him, everything points back to him. When I make the story about me and I do what I want to do, boy, I just get in the way. Come on, may we not be a people that are in the way, but we live in his will. Amen? I want to share something that happened to us back in 07, which feels so far away. I keep asking the Lord when I share with you guys stories, hey, God, can I talk to them about all the victories I've seen in my life? He's like, no, I need you to share about the failures. And I'm like, why? And I got it during worship because I was asking this why yesterday. He's like, because you, you learn from your failures and mistakes. You rest and enjoy the victories, but you learn and change if you're submitted to me in the failures. Come on, and none of us here are a failure. We might have failures in our life, but no child of the king is a failure. Amen? None of us are. If our lives are submitted to him. So we're in, uh, it's 2007, or she, actually it's the, the end of 2006, and, uh, and things have been going great. We've been in ministry for 10 years, married for 10 years, and, and in the church world, I'd, we, I'd say we saw beautiful success and uh, unbelievable God fruit, what I call it, and, and I'm, I'm starting to, I'm, I'm a youth pastor at a church in Texas, but uh, I'm starting to travel and speak in, in different places. I'm doing some consulting in churches, and and God's just blessing, and it's, it's just amazing, and just blown away, and uh, wrote a couple of leadership manuals, and, and man, it's just good, but here's what starts happening. I start getting the whisper of friends. Be careful who you call friends, and be careful what you're listening to. And the friends started whispering things to me like, man, you're a great preacher. You ever thought about doing your own church? You're a great preacher. I had, I had one person say, you're a much better preacher than pastor such and such, which was my pastor. I'm like, why don't you go tell him? He's right over there. Tell him that. I didn't say that, but I, you ever thought about you, the comeback after they walk away from you? <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, I remember we uh, had people start asking us, Dude, don't y'all want to pastor your own church, you know, and 
man, God's blessed us so much. And, and, uh, and, and our pastor, who believed in us much and still is my friend today, my spiritual father, was, was just pouring into us and letting me speak here and there when he was out of town or even when he was there. And, and uh, I remember someone took us out for lunch, and they said, you guys are in your prime. Now's the time to launch out right now. You need to launch out now. I was like, okay, I got it. I got it. Perfect time to launch right now. But I started letting that get inside. And it was feeding an ego that needed to die. And wouldn't you know it, I started believing it. And then wouldn't you know it, an opportunity presented itself to me. Be very careful when you start listening to the lies. Because if God didn't author it, that means it's a lie. Or it's either just a really bad idea from you. And I'm, I'm doing, I'm starting to do things and go in a direction that God never authored. And so make, make a long story short, an opportunity presents itself. This beautiful church in West Texas calls us and, and they're like, hey, we want you to come. The founding pastor, just like Pastor Dennis, he is going to, uh, he's going to transition out and he's going to groom you and mentor you for a year and then give you the church. And you can take over and, and lead it continuing forward. I'm like, this is incredible. This is God. I'm like, yes, yes. I look over at Lisa, She's like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm like, you, 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 get, you just need to pray more. You need to listen to church. Guys, can I just tell you, if your wife loves Jesus and she's in the word, listen to her when she says no, no. She's like, no. And I remember one time she's like, please don't do this. Oh, God, what was I thinking? And finally, I literally talked her into it. And so... <laughs> Somebody's like, oh, it's because you've done the same thing. But, and, you know, and, but anyway, so we're, we said, yes, we're going there. It's great. They want us immediately. They send people to come pack our house. Our house is not even sold yet. Like, don't worry about it. God will, he'll sell the house. He's the great realtor. I'm like, okay. You know, and so just dumb. <laughs> They literally, strangers come to our house, a bunch of people, movers, and they pack everything. I've never experienced before in my life. When we finally got unpacked, we didn't know what was in what box. It was nuts. But they want us there really, really quick, which is a warning sign. Anything moves too quick, back up. And so, but I'm just like, this is God. It's the expedience of God. He's moving things forward. In fact, Lisa's like, oh dear God, no, no, no. So uh, all of a sudden, on the U-Haul's packed the next day. We are on the way to West Texas, and a freakish ice storm hits that area, which doesn't normally happen in West Texas. They just get a lot of dirt, and you get it in your teeth and everything else. It's all the time. Dirt, dirt, dirt. And uh, she was born in that area, so she knows. And anyway, and so uh, we, we can't pull into the city, this big city. All the exits are closed. For the first week in our new chapter of life in 2007 of January, we're living in a hotel with our U-Haul full of ice. All ice is all over, full of all of our stuff. And th Lisa said then, she told me much later, because uh, I wouldn't have heard her then, she told me much later, that's when I knew this is not God. And uh, we, we wrote in our journal later, when hell freezes over, and it did. <laughs> like, it did. Two months later, I'm playing with a bunch of college students thinking I'm Superman, and I, I, I was having a great game too, guys. It was incredible. And I blew out my Achilles tendon. I mean, it exploded. Not a tear, to total explosion. I, I lived, lived in the hospital in physical therapy for months, five, six months. I had to learn to walk again because my hip rode up because of the way they had the, the boot apparatus, so they had to teach me how to walk again. Started, I mean, I went through hell. Funny, funny note here, not, it wasn't funny then, funny now. 
I was living in physical therapy surrounded by amputees, and I realized this was the beginning of God breaking my heart, God getting my attention. He's like, I, I never called you to do this. The amputees surrounded me were more happier than I was. I knew something was wrong then. And so all that going on while I'm in rehab, the senior pastor gets this great idea that he's not done yet. I got five more years in me, and so I'm going to keep going. You're not going to be the guy. And so I'm like, what is happening? Getting angry with God and everything else, and we leave. It kind of got, not kind of, it got ugly, sadly. And within 12 months, I had to move my family. Learned many things from that, many, many things. Come on, if you're going to look back, learn, amen? It's embarrassing to tell you this, but maybe this will help some people. Nothing good happens by rushing and forcing things. Nothing good. Let God bring it to you instead of you making it happen. Let God bring it to you so you can just walk through the door. Or for some of us, when God opens the door and you know it's him, run through that door. Yes, God. Run through that door. Charlotte Gamble says this, knock, and if God doesn't open the door, praise him in the hallway. Because he's protecting you. Don't, she says, don't you dare open that door. And so we've got to be a people that are uh, submitted to the Lord, a submitted person, a kingdom person. We're talking about praying kingdom prayers, and it starts in me. Somebody say in me. And that God has called us to be followers and not drivers. Read, go sometime when you have a moment to Galatians chapter 5. Uh, dive in and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Just the last verse of it, verse 25. Look at this, what it says right here. Since we are living by the Spirit... Let us follow the Spirit's leading. Come on, read it with me. In every part of our lives. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit in every part of our lives. Number two area of the kingdom to establish in prayer. Y'all still with me? Is to walk in kingdom purpose. To walk in kingdom purpose. First one was the kingdom in me. The second one is the kingdom for me. Purpose. Somebody say purpose. Every single one of us in the room, those who are watching us on YouTube and on Facebook, every single one of us were created on purpose. That means not one person in this room or those online are an accident. Not one person's an accident. But he also created us for a purpose. And I, and I love that about God. He didn't just save us from hell. He, he told him just to hang on until we die. No, he gave us a purpose while we're on this earth. Our, our purpose, that, that means uh, why does something exist or literally the why, the reason that we live, purpose. Our purpose is this, just to make sure we, we get this. And this is all of our purpose. Listen, we all have different callings. We all have different gifts and talents, but we all got the same purpose. It's to know Jesus, to make him known and to bring him glory in everything I do. That's our purpose. To know Jesus. Come on, let's say it together. To know Jesus. To make him known. And to bring him glory in everything we do. That's our corporate purpose. How you walk that on your life is the way of the calling and the assignment and the gifts and the talents he's given you as an individual. Amen? Look at this verse right here. Ephesians 1, 11 and 12. 
It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Come on. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eyes on us. He had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and in everyone. That's Ephesians 1, 11, 12, and that's how the message translation. Come on, Victor, we need to be reminded of this. We were all made for something great. Every one of us were made for something great. We were made from a great God. He made us to do great things in the earth, and the great things always point to his great son. That's the way our life's supposed to be. Whatever talents, whatever gifts you have, whatever, whatever God's given you to use it for his glory, Come on, if you're a preacher, if you're a teacher, if you're a policeman, if you're a lawyer, if you're an accountant, if you're an architect, a designer, whatever, whatever, a realtor, whatever it is that you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't do it for the almighty dollar and bow your knee and your life to that. Do it for the king of kings and God will take care of you. Do it for the glory of God. And all that we do, we're doing it to know him, to make him known. And to give him glory in all that I do. Amen? Whatever gifts. And listen, I'm praying even right now in Jesus' name for those who are maybe sitting on your gifts. He doesn't want you to sit on your gifts. He wants you to operate and move in your gifts. So if you're frustrated with that, ask God to help you. Talk to some people. Study it. God, what are those gifts that you've given me so I can operate in them in, in the everyday world? And here's what we got to realize and understand about purpose. Right here on the screen. Our calling and our assignment may change. Listen, I guarantee you, most of us probably have not been doing the same thing 20 years ago that we are now. Maybe some of us are. But the calling or assignment may change, but God's purpose for your life, come on, remains the same. To know him, to make him known, to bring him glory. That's our purpose. Your calling, your assignment is going to change. And that's why we got to check ourselves. Hello. we got to be checking ourselves and make sure we're staying in the will of God. Amen? Are you in the will of God? Did you know that we know that answer pretty quickly? We know when we're not in the will of God. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, when you and I get out of the will of God, small or big decisions, we can feel it. There's a conviction that comes. And God's like, I didn't ask you to do this. Pastor Johnson said this on a Zoom call with us campus pastors this week, and I wrote it down as fast as he said it. He said, the sweetest place in the world is to be in the will of God. I was like, come on, Jesus. I want to be in your will, not in the way. The sweetest place in the world is to be in the will of God. And here's my warning to all of us in the room. Listen to me. It's very important. Just because it's a raise and a promotion doesn't mean it's God. Just because it's a raise and promotion. Now listen, if you've been praying and God opened the door clearly and you know it's him and you got a multitude of counsel and you know this is God, walk through that door. Run through that door. Walk in all that God has for you. But I'm seeing many times people making moves just because money was speaking. And when, when you go there, like, hey, what did God say? I don't know. He just said, you know, I got a promotion. I'm going there. Be very careful, moving here, moving there. Even people like, I just got to start over. I'm going to start a new life. I'm going to start over. Be very careful about that. Don't let your feelings lead major decisions. Be led by the Spirit of God. That move up, that move there, that move wherever needs to be led by the Spirit. 
Because listen, the devil, right here on the screen, the devil has no problem promoting you right out of the will of God. The devil has no problem paying you not to make a difference anymore. Don't chase money, chase God. Chase Jehovah Jireh. Listen to me. Man is not your promoter, God is. Jehovah Jireh is not only your provider, he's your promoter. He will promote you in his beautiful timing, and it's always better when he does it than when man does it. Come on, family. Kingdom. Kingdom. If it's God, run through it. If God is saying, don't go, don't open that door. Don't make it happen. Comfort, convenience, don't let those things speak to you. Be led by the Spirit of God. Listen, please hear my heart. I want you to be so blessed. I want you to be so favored. We speak it over you all the time, all of you guys. We pray for you all the time that God would bless you, favor you, so in turn you will be a blessing. The promotions will come, all those things. But I'm just telling you, don't make something happen or don't just make a move because you want to move or because you need something. Make sure that God is leading you there and watch the blessings come after it. Amen? Kingdom, kingdom over convenience and comfort. Before I close out with number three, I want to very quickly, very quickly, just have a family moment for a second. Can we do that? I want to have a family moment right here. I want to share my heart with you. And I want you, I want everybody here to receive this with grace. I'm going to try to say it as much grace as I can. But I want you to receive this with grace. Somebody say grace. Before we close out with number three. I have learned it is very important how you enter and exit a room. Whatever room, your presence is important. It's very important how we enter and exit a room. And I've seen, Lisa and I will be celebrating two years here at the mill uh, in a month. And I have seen one trend. I mean, we're seeing the amazing things that God is doing here. But I've seen one trend I'd really love us all to tackle together. And the trend that is happening in this room, and it's with a lot of people who are arriving late and leaving early. Now, please hear me just for one second. Here's the grace part. We all run late at times. Many times, I'm in the driveway waiting on her. It's never me, ever. <laughs> but here's what I want to encourage us together. Somebody say together that we honor the presence of God and that we try our best to get here on time to church that we try our best to get here on time. We honor the presence of God. Listen, my heart grieves for people when they come in after the third song. And I know it was a morning. It was like, you're rats on the kids. Like, you get in the church, get in the van. I get it. I, we've been there. So that's why there is plenty of grace. But don't make it a habit of always being late. Get here early. Early, not just on time, but maybe a few minutes early. Come with expectation. How about this? Pray on the way. Pray on the way. Try your best to be on time to church. Do what you can to get in the room before it starts. Pray on the way if the Lord, as the Lord would remind you. And don't leave early in that last few minutes, what is a very holy moment of people making decisions, because it can be very distracting. 
and all that to be unsaid, just about kingdom over convenience, is if you have to leave early, because everybody does at times, we all do, sit more toward the back and sit on an aisle so you don't have to go through the whole road just to try to get out while people are praying. Can we do that together, church? Can we try to do that to honor God and honor his presence? Come in ready, leave recharged, and let's honor God's presence. Final one, number three. Thank you for hearing my heart on that. Number three, we're talking about kingdom. Somebody say kingdom. We want to be a kingdom person. We want to be a purpose-filled person. And here's the final one. We want to be a person that operates in power. The third area is to operate in kingdom power. That's that dunamis power. Come on. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's called Biblically, it's called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom through me. One was in me, one's for me, and the next one, the final one, is through me. Somebody say through. It starts in us, and then God wants to go through us to a world out there. And it starts, we advance the kingdom first in prayer and then out there. Did you hear that? You advance the kingdom first in prayer, and then you flesh it out in your life out there. You walk it out there, what you're praying. Let your kingdom come. In this earth, we need God. We need revival. Our nation needs healing. And he wants to do it through you, Victory. He wants to do it through your life, your marriage, your family. And that's what happens in prayer. This is the part in prayer. You're praying for yourself. You're praying for your family. And you should. But don't stay there. This is when you begin to lift your eyes and you see the field of harvest. You see the huge harvest of souls that, listen to me, that without Christ are going to burn in hell for eternity. And so you should, we should, I should pray for me and my family and my extended family, but my prayers should never stay there. They should rise above that and pray for others, and especially the lost, to call the lost home. Amen? And if you have the Holy Spirit in you, that's the indwelling. The next step of growth is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the, literally the power on you. And if Jesus needed it, how much more do we need it? If the 12 need it, how much more do we need it? How much more do I need it? You can be anointed, and you are anointed, I declare over you. You are anointed to do what God's called you to do. Look right here, Acts 10, 38 says this. And you know that God anointed, this is a beautiful, by the way, a beautiful verse, one verse, and it has the, the Trinity in it. And you know that God, there's the Father, anointed Jesus, there's the Son, with the Holy Spirit, there's the Spirit of God, and with power. So he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. Somebody say power. That's the word dunamis, that is the explosive power. Then, then, there's the key word, then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed. That's why we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, can I tell you, today at the end of service, our prayer team, anybody up here, they would love to pray with you to receive that. It's nothing mystical. It's nothing anybody waving their hand. It is literally a prayer. It is a prayer. It starts with salvation, the indwelling, but God wants to give you even the power of his spirit, not just his spirit inside of you. We are unashamedly, listen to me, Victory Hamilton Mill. We are unashamed to be a spirit-filled church. We're spirit-led people. We need the Holy Spirit, and we need his power today. I think that's what's missing from the church today. Capital C is the power of the Spirit 
I wonder, I'm even just trying to listen to the Lord right now. Do you believe that God can use you? God can use you. Don't listen to those lies. God, God can use you. He can use you in ways at your workplace that I could never. No, I mean, he wants to use you. He wants to use you. Daughter, son, he wants to use you right where you're at. Wherever you live, it's not on accident. Wherever you work in this season, it's not on accident. It's God. He wants to use you in your sphere of influence now. You don't have to get something and do a whole bunch of hundred godly push-ups to, to get. No, God wants to use you right where you're at. If he can use a donkey to talk, hello, he can use us. By the way, that's in the Bible. He can use you to be his healing hands. He can use you to be words of encouragement, so much discouragement in the world. He can use you to be so encouraging. He can use you not only to bring a smile to people's faces, a kind word melts a stony heart. He can use you in ways that accomplish things that I never could, Lisa never could. He can use you right where you're at in this life. You don't have to have it all together. Just a posture of, yes, yes, Lord, use me. Amen. We are a kingdom people. We are a kingdom church. We serve a king. He's our father. And he wants to use us to advance his kingdom. But it starts in here. Come on, let's pray together. Would you make your chair right now just a, that altar before God? Just you and him. Don't worry about who's sitting next to you. I always call this a holy moment because it is. It's... It's a time of decision. It's a time of reflection. It's a time of listening to the voice of the Lord. We pray over us. Father, I pray, God, that you give these beautiful people and myself, Lord, the boldness of your spirit to do what you've called us to do. I pray that faith would begin to increase in this room. I pray, God, that you pour out the power of your spirit on each and every person, God, here. God, I pray encouragement for those who are fighting discouragement. I pray strength to those who feel weary spiritually and physically. Lord God, I pray for those who feel alone that you would come close to them and remind them that we are never alone. God, we submit. We How about this? We resubmit our lives to you, God. Forgive us, Lord, when we've made plans without ever asking you about it. Forgive us for stepping out and doing what we wanted to do. God, we repent of kicking you off the throne many times in our lives and then coming to you later and asking you for help. And God, you're still there even when we're asking for help because your love is unfailing. We thank you for your healing in these areas, God, that we don't have to stay broken. We don't, we don't have to stay stuck in our mistakes or failure, that you pick us up. That was the picture I got yesterday praying in this empty room. He's good at picking up his children, cleaning us up, dusting us off, and sending us back out, that you don't have to stay down. God is like, I want to pick you back up again. Let me use you. So, Father, we submit our hearts to you. And maybe you're in the room today in this moment, in these last precious minutes, and you're away from Jesus. You're not living your life for Jesus. You know it. It's, it's time. You've been feeling it for a while, way before you got here today. The wrestling match of who's in charge, 
who's going to be the boss of your life. And I just want to ask you in this moment of a place of decision, if you are here today and you're just tired, you're tired of running your life your way, you're tired and you know, I've got to surrender. I'm, I'm feeling the warning signs. I've got to surrender. By the way, the warning signs are signs of love from the Father. He wants your heart. So if you're here today and you want to surrender and resubmit your life to Christ, could be for the first time, it could be coming back to him. If that's you in this space, in this moment right here, could I just ask you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Today I need to come back to Jesus and surrender my heart to him. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, God sees your heart. God sees your heart. Anybody else? Don't be bashful. Don't be shy. It's you and the Lord. You're raising your hands and acknowledge for him, God. Yes, God sees your heart. God sees your heart. I need to surrender my heart to Jesus. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of doing this. Today, I'm coming home. Would you pray this with me? All together, everybody in the room, and for those who lifted their hands in response to this, say, Jesus, I thank you that you left heaven, came to earth, died on a cross, And in three days, you rose from the dead. And you did it all for me so I could have a relationship with you. So today, I surrender and I resubmit my life to you. I call you who you are. You are King. You are God. You are Lord. You are Savior. And you are friend. Help me be all that you've called me to be. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Come on, can we thank the Lord real quick? Can we stand together? If you made a decision for the Lord, I would encourage you. Our prayer team is going to come up here in just a moment. If you're here today and you're struggling, you know there's some areas that you need to submit to the Lord, our prayer team would love to pray with you. But as we close out this moment, we're gonna just to close out to our Father, your kingdom come. And let's let adoration and exaltation come for our hearts in gratitude. Let's express to the Lord how much we love Him, how much we need Him. Come on, can we lift our hands right now to the Lord? Lord, we need you. You are our King. We need you, oh God. You never leave us nor forsake us. We exalt you and we bless you and we thank you, God. Come on, let's tell them together. Your kingdom come. Jesus.
情爱也